This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe Sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better host, or if you're looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month absolutely free. And now, enjoy the show. This is the Limitless Keith Lee, and I'm here to ask you to stop what you're doing, take just one moment, and bask in the glory of the Busted Wide Open podcast. Mwah. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open podcast, dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling, with your hosts... Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. But if this is the first time you're joining us, I'd like to welcome you to the second episode of our patron mailbag. The longer, more detailed, dedicated segment that we used to call listener questions now has its own series. My name is Nick Howell. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. And Nick, I'm very excited to get into these because we're actually able to give them more time now. Before we were rushing through them, now we can sit down and and chew and chew on our listener questions a little bit more. Chew on the mailbag. And thank you to everyone who sent in these questions. We very much, we very much appreciate it, and we very much appreciate the fact that if you sent in your questions, it means that you're a patron of ours, and that means you went to patreon.com forward slash BWO and gave us a donation, and that means you're helping this show run and get bigger and better and stronger and faster like the Million Dollar Man. So thank you very, very, very much for that. Thank you very much for that. And if you're not a patron yet, please, please, please go sign up. And it means you are allowed to ask questions as well, as plus get all kinds of sweet swag and all the other perks that we have over there. And you're helping us immensely yes. because this is this is not an easy show to do. We, we love when we get help from our wonderful listeners. We love you yes. all. So, we want you to help yes. shape this show, and you have, frankly. Uh, all of your contributions mm, have much. come in very big uh, across the board. Guys, don't forget to hang out in the Busted Wide Open discussion group on Facebook. It is the hub of our operation, and we've now got a brand new shiny Discord server where we've got live chats not only for pay-per-views, but for every single show that's happening throughout the week has its own dedicated channel for live chat while the show is going on. Helps us keep spoilers out of the discussion group on Facebook and we don't have to kick anybody out or get into little tussles over you know p- people posting the wrong stuff so hang out in the discord Nick, do your live chats there uh, that is the place to be yes Nick I have to I have to admit that I'm a little bit like the uh, old man trying to program the VCR there's an old reference uh, when I use discord but it took me a little while but I'm getting used okay. to it. I'm getting used to the discord server now I'm starting to come around maybe I'll it, make so like a, a how-to guide video and give people the 101 could you, of could Discord. You, yeah, for us Luddites, that would be wonderful <laughs> yeah. because uh, I, I would love to see more people join up in there because once you get used to it, it is actually really fun. Yeah. And it's certainly a, a, for what we're using it for, for chats and for interaction between all of our listeners and ourselves, it's actually a lot easier to communicate 
than through the structure of Facebook. Yeah. So there is that. Facebook is still really fun to post memes and, and, and news updates and stuff like that and links to websites. Discord's really fun to just talk yeah. and talk to each other and, and ab about whatever. So it's it's a very cool uh, platform as I'm getting more yeah, used to it. Definitely, and I'll make sure that uh, sometime throughout the next couple of weeks, I make a little video introducing you guys to our Discord, go through all the channels, how it all works, how to do some cool tricks to keep things fun, how we do polls and commands and all kinds of stuff like yeah, that. You're the you're the tech guy. I don't get this. It's like for us for those old tech guys, it's like IRC and stuff like that from the '90s and 2000s. But Discord Seems is tight. the exactly Discord is the kind of the new thing um, that a lot of it's mostly baked in gaming but we're seeing it transcend that into tech and other areas such as professional wrestling. You know, I, I know several hey shows out there that have Discord communities as well. So be sure to hang out in there. You can find links to it in the description below if you're watching on YouTube or if you're listening on the audio podcast, you can find links to it in our across pinned across our social media. Uh, just be on the lookout for that. You can also follow us, speaking of social media, on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast, streaming live right here on YouTube every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern 5 Pacific and Saturday at 3 p.m. noon Pacific. Uh, but Ian, let's not waste any more time. Let's head over and do the patron mailbag. Well, our first question this week comes in from Jacob Uhas. Uh, guys, what is your favorite match that you saw in person? He says his is Darby Allen versus Shane Strickland versus Ooh. Rich Swan. I don't know that I ever even saw that match, frankly. Uh, second place for him, he says, is Oscar versus Becky at the Royal Rumble. That's right, Jacob. You were at the Royal Rumble nice. this year. He was at the Fantastic. Royal Rumble. That's that was have been a good match. Um, yeah. I'd, also, I'd love to know what promotion he saw. Uh, Alan Strickland Swan. If that was was that uh, Ring of Honor? What the? No, that wouldn't have been. I don't Ring know Honor. what that would have been. Huh. Interesting. Not progress. Not uh, maybe evolve. I don't know. I'm that'd be. I'm very curious to know what. Uh, you might be what right. It might be progress. I don't know if uh, Rich Swan ever went to Progress or Strickland. So huh. yeah, I don't know. I, I would love to know what uh, promotion he saw that in. But that's a that's a that's a hell of a three way right no there. That's probably a baller match. Uh, Nick, what is your favorite match you ever saw live? Um, I'd have to go. I think I went to a Hell in a Cell in was it 2016? It was before we started this show. And I had mm -hmm. never been to I in my life I had never been to a pay per view uh, live event like I had yeah. never been to an actual pay per view and I think our our mutual friend Mr Andy uh, not our champ our other IRL Andy uh, had he said hey there's some tickets you want to go and I'm like yeah sure fine and I had a blast and it was the first time I'd ever seen a pay per view and it just happened to be one of my favorites which is Hell in a Cell so I got to see the Hell in the Cell like in person which nice. it was fantastic and we were on like all but floor seats like that one riser above the floor that middle tier it was right in a corner and it was a perfect view you got to see the tron and the ramp and we saw the cell in the ring and everything it was like on that back ring post back where the old commentary table used to be perfect perfect placement and uh, i had an absolute blast i actually don't remember the match but I, that's my for a live event that's my that's what i was looking at um, while you're doing yours, I'll go look up the, the actual match card because none of the matches were that memorable from that <laughs> pay-per-view, if I remember correctly. Uh, but it was that was my favorite live event. My favorite match would probably be something for PWG that you and I went to. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's I, I wouldn't be surprised with that. Ricochet winning the second uh, Battle of Los Angeles you know, at PWG. Well, we also at Keith Lee Dijak. Keith Lee Dijak but, uh, back that's then. My, 
My my favorite match that I've ever seen is is more recent. I mean, I I saw a bunch of indie stuff way back in the. I even went to an XPW show, man. I went to an XPW show back in the day where they had a, a lightsaber war with uh, with fluorescent tubes. But that's certainly not anywhere near my my favorite match of all time. Um, I, it's a toss up for me between uh, the main event of WrestleMania 31 when Seth Rollins cashes in mm. on uh, Brock and Roman. I hate that you got to see that, that live. I, without that's me. one of the greatest pops I've ever seen live. Wow. That's one of the greatest moments I've ever seen live. But the match itself was was fine. I think uh, possibly slightly edging that out was the season finale of the second season of Lucha Underground. I was there for the taping of that. And it was Ricochet versus Rey Mysterio. And at the time, people thought that Rey was going to retire. They thought he was done. And he was coming back to Lucha Underground as kind of a way to get that company over. And um, people didn't know if he'd ever wrestle again. And he came back and he was in fantastic shape. And he and Prince Puma, also now known as Ricochet, had it was their first time they'd ever faced off. And I remember reading about how Ricochet was really nervous about working Ray because he was one of his idols, right? So I got to see this live. And the, and the, the tension of the respect between these two guys in this match was fantastic. And so if you actually even watch that episode, you can see me marking out over it at the end of the show, uh, screaming, thank you, Ray. And then, of course, after this was the angle where Pentagon came out and tried to murder Vampiro and uh, shoulder-checked me out of the way. And so that was... And then we had blood all over us. So it was... That whole sequence was probably my favorite, uh, nice. favorite match I've ever seen. Barely, barely, barely edging out that Seth Rollins uh, cash-in. Mm. So. I don't know that you could ever beat that cash in, to be honest with you. That's going to be really, really tough. I mean, as a moment, uh, seeing seeing oh, that nuts. as a as a legendary moment in in professional wrestling. That literally was. never screamed that hard at a wrestling match in my wow. life. Wow, wow! Yep. Thank you very much, Jacob, for the question. Uh, next up, we had Josh Logan. Uh, with this move to Fox, do you guys think having more exposure for the WWE? will bring more backlash from these annual blood money events. Also, do you, um, well, before we get to the second one, let, let's answer that one. Uh, will this move to Fox, you know, do, do you think it's a bad look for, for the Saudi events at this point? Uh, do you think Fox is going to interfere? Because I think this is a very salient question for us to talk about. Uh, do we think Fox think is going to look Fox- bad at the blood money crown jewel Saudi Arabia intermixing? I, to do that, I'd have to ask what kind of company Fox is. And I think people need to consider what kind of company Fox is. And once you really think about that, you'll have your answer. And that is no, they're not going to give two craps as long as money comes in. Um, the optics are irrelevant as long as you can spin the optics to your benefit. Uh, or at least spin them away from anything that's negative. So that's up to WWE to do. And they've already started to do it by saying it's an international pay-per-view, not in Saudi Arabia, not trying to stay away from the fact that Saudi Arabia is you know, a bloody regime that murders American journalists, uh, among many other things, and human rights violations, et cetera, et cetera, and is incredibly socially regressive. So right. um, that, that the perception of Saudi Arabia and whether or not Fox cares, Fox does not care about the perception of Saudi Arabia. They do not, as long as WWE makes money and doesn't embarrass them. If WWE does something to piss off fans or if, if it's starting to come back as a backlash on WWE, it's only going to matter if, for some reason, people start taking it out on Fox. For example, when they called the uh, the Women's Royal Rumble at, the, at WrestleMania, 
the um, fabulous Moolah Battle Royale. The backlash hit WWE, but then fans hit him where it hurts by going to Snickers and saying, hey, do you condone this? So if it's something like that where um, people really start making Fox look bad because they paid WWE money and WWE's doing business with Saudi Arabia, it's the only way that would really matter. But that's several layers deep. Um, and we haven't seen enough of a backlash from fans on WWE with the Saudi events up until now. People have been unhappy and their ratings have declined a bit, but you can't say it's strictly because of the Saudi Arabia deal. It's been yeah. a lot of factors. So based on history, on the last couple of years of the business dealings with Saudi Arabia, no, I don't think it's going to affect their relationship with Fox. It will really depend on if people go after Fox and try to nail their feet to the floor on supporting a company that's taking money from Saudi Arabia. Um, and I don't, unfortunately, know off the top of my head how much money Fox is taking from Saudi Arabia or if they're involved in Saudi Arabia at all, but it wouldn't surprise me. Mm, I don't think they would be at all. That's a 10-year deal for $45 million or whatever it was that Fox or that WWE made with the Crown Princes. So I don't think that's part. They got the one. I'm saying exterior to that. Like sure. if Fox has any other business. Maybe, business. maybe. Uh, that, that'd be an interesting find if we could figure that out. But I, I think the two are completely it, separate, and they're going to keep them that way. Right. I'm more saying if Rupert Murdoch has any business interest in Saudi Arabia himself personally. Oh, yeah. I got you. So Fox is a company. So uh, He said, also, do you think if Fox came down on Vince hard enough that they could get him to cancel them? Um, I'm going to say probably not because they're almost completely separate business dealings. Uh, almost like you've got Raw at, with USA, that's a deal. And you've got SmackDown with Fox, that's a deal. And you've got the Saudi Arabia events with the crown princes in Saudi Arabia, that's a deal. All three of those are independent of each other, uh, I think, at this point. And, or, oh, that's right, I'm sorry. It was like $45 million per event or something crazy like that. Point is... Um, at the end of the day, I don't think I don't think Fox is gonna now. Like you said, in the optics, the minute Fox starts feeling the repercussions of the optics, uh, you know, and fan backlash and boycotts and all kinds of stuff like that, absolutely they could march into Vince's thing and say, "It's us or them, dude. What do you want to do?" Because Fox got, has enough fu money to just buy out their contract and be like, "We're out, dude." Peace. I can't see that happening. No. If if WWE was being hit hard enough in the wallet by a backlash, they would cancel them. But they obviously have not been hit anywhere near hard enough for them to give two craps about that. Yeah. So you can have all the negative press you want, but unless you're seeing it in your bottom line, they haven't had, yeah, they've had uh, ratings fall offs nowhere near precipitously enough to affect them wanting to go and do these shows. So Thank you, Josh. Those are really good questions. Uh, next up, Brian. Brian has one that says, after a couple of weeks of AEW unscripted or bullet-pointed promos, do the promos in WWE seem to be even more painfully scripted, specifically in NXT, but for the rosters as a whole? Uh, it, it's funny because I don't see NXT script, uh, uh, promos as being as bad as the main roster. Agreed. Sometimes they are, but you're, but again, you're, you know, that is, and they're still going to get a pass on this. It is still developmental, and even if you have a high-level indie guy coming in who's never been trained on promos and all of a sudden has is given a scripted WWE promo. It's not they're, they're going to be a little stilted uh, on the main roster. At that point, you're supposed to be able to do to work a WWE style promo and make it sound natural, a la Samoa Joe, uh, a la Roman Reigns has gotten a lot better at it now, too. But he still sounds very stilted when you can tell he's been very heavily scripted. Yeah. Um, so I, I give NXT a bit more of a pass on that. 
But this is the thing, is the reason why people have been having issues with promos in WWE for years now is because compared to anywhere else, it sounds awful. New Japan has been given great, like they have a press room after a match and you go back there and you cut a promo after a match. And when they do that, they've been cutting great promos in New Japan. If you have a guy who speaks English or if you understand Japanese, even in Japanese, like they, you can tell they're speaking naturally. But Zack Sabre Jr. has been cutting great promos. Uh, Guys like uh, Juice Robinson have been taking their skills and going over there. Juice Robinson has been cutting absolutely lights out promos in New Japan for years now. And it, that's really where the juxtaposition is for me, where it's it's been happening for a long time. I don't think AEW is anything new. It's just the exposure is so much more. So when Jericho comes out there and just lights the place up with an unscripted promo, we suddenly go, oh, that's how it could be on a high level when you just let guys talk. Um, so I, I, I hope that that's something that WWE looks at and the competition forces them to change their ways a little bit. But, uh, but I don't think that it's a new thing, I guess is yeah. what I'm saying. No. I don't know if, that's, if that... The, uh, it may cause them to change because it's, on a, it's higher profile, but uh, but then again, they're so stuck in their ways, it may not. Yeah, I don't think anything's going to change in WWE. Does it make it? Does it make WWE seem to be more painfully scripted? Yeah, a little bit. Like like it. I think the problem with scripting someone is that they're not professionally trained actors. They're not thespians. At the end of the day, they they can't just do cold reads and and whatnot. So they're back there practicing these, and then that makes them come off as robotic. They're they're at, which is it's you know it, it's not these aren't actors these are athletes and if you let them talk they know how to talk shit they know how to spit fire and and be competitive and talk down to their competitors but at the same well, what's weird to me when you script them yeah they're going <laughs> that's it. so it's funny because scripting them is the thing that's undoing them. Right. And as we see it with Jericho is, and AEW and other examples, when you let them off the leash, like we saw with Jericho this week, holy shit, they can go. Yeah, you can get great results. And this is the crazy thing is they do have a promo class in NXT, in NXT at the PC. Uh, Dusty Rhodes used to teach promo class. And, and you learn how to cut a promo. The problem is, is that then you get a, a script and it's a whole different skill. And it, it's confusing to me why at this point when kayfabe has died and they've acknowledged that yes these are performers why don't you give them acting classes why don't you bring in a professional actor to teach them how to act or cold read or that sort of thing so that you know they can at least get to the level of like daytime soap operas where this at the soap operas daytime soap operas they get their scripts right before they go on sometimes yeah. and they have to be able to emote with barely remembering their lines and they get really professional at it they get and some of the top level uh, soap opera actors are really good at doing it. It's very impressive. It's a very impressive skill to have. Um, I don't know why they don't spend a bit more time on that. That being said, you know, back in the day where they did have pro wrestlers cut their own promos, it wasn't that these guys were actors. They weren't actors. What they were were sports people, jocks, athletes, who had just had personalities that were so big that they could just talk and talk and talk and were very entertaining because they were such big personalities. Now you don't necessarily have to be like a type A sociopath to be a professional wrestler. Uh, you can just be like a normal athlete and get into it and you get trained how to do these kinds of promos. 
But unfortunately, that doesn't lend itself to that same kind of charisma exuding out of you the way that you would get with some of the older school wrestlers. Right. At least that's 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 my perception of it. Um, so it's it's a little tougher to try and compare when you have people that just don't innately have like Chris Jericho is a type A alpha male guy, and he that's him going out there and just spewing stuff off the top of his head is what he would do even if he you know even if he weren't in a ring. Uh, he would be holding court wherever he is. Ric Flair is the kind of guy that every bar he goes into, he's the star of the bar, right? He's, he's going to be an attraction no matter where he goes, whether it's in a ring or an airport or a bar or a restaurant, wherever. He's going to be the center of attention. Yeah. You don't get that same feeling from someone like, say, Buddy Murphy, Seth Rollins. You don't feel like when they go out in public that they're going to be the center of attention everywhere they go because of their innate personality. So you've got to train them how to speak and get out there and, and be a big character because they're not innately a big character. Yeah. The other thing I'll say real quick is, I mean, for my day job working in tech, I do a lot of presentations, and it's a lot of repetition, and it's a muscle. It's a muscle that you exercise. You, you find rhythm. You, you find uh, inference. You find all kinds of ways to tell a story and weave a, a flow, right? Yeah, and that's just that's not something you learn overnight. It takes years. So we've seen some anomalies come up that are brand new that just have the gift. Some people just have the gift. MJF just has the gift. Uh, I, yes. I don't know where he got it from. He just has. But it. he's had it since Bella, he was a child. Remember, we, Patrick. We've seen the clip, but we've seen the clip of MJF as a whatever he was, six or seven years old on the Rosie O'Donnell show. Yeah. That dude had the gift of gab then. Yeah. And as you said, Velveteen Dream. Yeah. So some people just you know, have it, some it. don't. Uh, and I think what they need to recognize the most is not script everybody, but recognize the people that can take two to three bullet points and go out there and deliver a money promo, and then recognize the people that don't have it and need a little bit more help and maybe script them yeah. a little bit more. But, but you're, you're giving WWE credit for having more organization uh, and sure. forethought and consideration and compassion then they the reality do. is it's more treated like a soap opera where they get their script an hour or two before the show goes live. So, you know, and you're not going to have a lot of success that way. Sorry. Yeah, and some of the verbiage just is unnatural yeah. too. So it's it's partly the writer's fault. Great well. question, Brian. Thank you very much for that one. Uh, next up, um, we're going to have to talk. Uh, we're going to have to talk to the champ here for a minute. Uh, oh, the champ, 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 champ. Uh, Andy Jessup. So uh -huh. I want to ask his second question first. And Champ Champ, I apologize okay. if, you, uh, if you don't like this. But with the finishes on Friday and Sunday, um, the way they put Raw together this week and the addition of two shoot fighters now, when I have no interest in boxing or MMA, why should I care about WWE? Talk me off the ledge <laughs> here. Why should... Uh... A There's a, a lot of other stuff. Great like, question. WWE is always a smorgasbord. And as we said uh, when we just talked about SmackDown on the show we did right before this, um, there wasn't just the draft. There wasn't just that awful finish to the Roman Reigns-Seth Rollins match. There was also a really awesome heel turn by Bailey. There's a lot of other stuff going on in WWE besides just the tops of the cards. Um, that being said, I'm not going to talk anybody off the ledge on WWE because – I have to be completely honest, Nick. I would have a hard time watching it right now, too, if I didn't feel like you know that was something that I, I had dedicated myself mm -hmm. to. 
there's definitely I, I, I come and go with WWE. There's some weeks they, they really turn me off with their programming. And so I am empathetic to anyone who says I can't watch WWE anymore. I'm completely empathetic to that. And luckily for all of us, there's so many other options of things to watch. And like the Busted Wide know, Open if, podcast. You could just listen to us. Right. Instead. And you don't have to you don't have to watch WWE. You don't have to sit through five to six we'll hours, give- uh, if not more, programming. <laughs> you can just listen to us for an hour and we'll tell you everything. We'll, that we'll break it down for you. Uh, but no, in all seriousness, like, it, yeah, I, I honestly, it was really, some of that stuff was really rough for me as well, sitting there and going like, why are you guys doing this? But that is kind of the nature of WWE is they giveth and they taketh away. Yeah. And sometimes are better than others. And there's like when it's like any pro wrestling, when it's good, it's the best damn thing ever. But when it's bad, man, does it suck. And it's really hard to defend. And, you know, Honestly, anytime someone comes to me and says WWE sucks, I go, okay, fair. Um, maybe it does, but I don't just watch WWE. If you think that pro wrestling sucks in general because all you watch is WWE, then I've got a whole grip of matches I can show you to prove otherwise. Yeah. Um, so that's really all it is, is that if you're sick of the vanilla flavor at the Baskin-Robbins ice cream shop, try chocolate. Like you don't you don't have to eat vanilla just because it's all you've eaten all your life. Um, really, especially if they start you know putting some flavors in your vanilla that you don't like. Why are they? Wait a minute. Why are they putting pistachios in my vanilla ice cream? I want just vanilla. And you could try to like eat around the pistachios, or you just start eating chocolate. Yeah. You know. I'm I'm that's, missed. That's really that's. I wish I could talk you off the ledge, champ, but I I can't. <laughs> so after um after Vince bought WCW and we had that merger 2001. I think it was. Um, I had I had gotten really into my career, and I toned down my watching of professional wrestling. And yeah. it really, I didn't really get back into it on the regular until the advent of Hulu. I can remember the day that I was talking to Jared. You guys might know him from the group, uh, longtime friend of mine, and I was talking to him about Hulu. Hulu had just come out, and I was interested from the entertainment perspective of what Hulu was and what it wasn't. And I noticed Raw was on there. And I noticed Mm -hmm. uh, WWE stuff was on there. So I started watching again. This was about the time that Cena won Money in the Bank. Was it 2010 or 11? And uh, it might have been 12, actually. 11 or 12. And I started watching some of the episodes again because they were showing up on Hulu when Hulu was first coming out. And I, 11 was Del Rio, but okay, yeah, go ahead. I know what you mean. I know what you're saying. So the point is that I now had, and as a, someone who was getting into cord cutting and just doing uh, all of this stuff, then I, I started watching it weekly again. Like I had not watched it weekly religiously for a really long time, probably since the end of the Attitude Era. I would check mm-hmm. in every now and then. I would read up on stuff. I would keep up with what I could, but as, as a weekly religious viewer, I, I I got back into that, and I got to see the rise of the Shield and the turn with Seth Rollins and the Daniel Bryan run up and all of those things that happened over the last ten years. And so I mean it's it's been a good you know eight nine years for me just dedicated every week all in at this point. But I got to tell you, if we weren't doing this show, I mean I don't know that I, I might be watching NXT, but that would probably be about right it. right. Just full yeah. disclosure here. I'm I'm not saying I'm standing at the edge of a cliff like you claim to be. But I, I'm, yeah, I, I, I would find something else to do with my time. Don't feel yeah. like this obligated thing because that takes the fun away from it as well. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Where you feel like you have to. No, and it's actually the, the time, the era that you talk about when Stone Cold turned heel and that whole era right there was the largest precipitous drop-off of a young audience in WWE's history. They murdered their company with uh, turning Stone Cold heel. And Stone Cold even says it was like, in hindsight, it was a bad idea. Yeah. Like at the time, oh, he was God. all in on He loved it. But in hindsight, it was a terrible idea. And from a business standpoint, it was. From a character standpoint, it was fascinating. He wanted to have fun and play a heel and do all that. But from a business standpoint, that's why they never turned Cena. As much as everybody was like, turn Cena heel, turn Cena heel. They were looking at that going, you guys have no idea how turning Stone Cold heel gutted us. And they still haven't recovered. Yeah. Uh, I'll go back and ask his first question. Both AEW and NXT seem to be shying away from doing multiple promos in a show. Is this the norm? Have we been conditioned by main roster WWE that all character development is done on the mic? Uh, kind of, yes. I think that um, the AEW, they're, they're allowing some promos in the ring, so they're having a little bit of the, the WWE style, getting out in the ring and cutting a promo there. I mean, it's... It, Promos throughout history and even in the modern era have been they, like how companies do their storylines and their promos very wildly. Like I said, New Japan, you have they're very structured when they give their promos, right? You don't do pre match promos, you don't do um, moments where it's like very rare where it's just you come out, cut a promo, and leave. Usually it's after a big match at the end of the main event, the winner of the main event gets a promo. Uh, if you when you go backstage, storyline is mostly told through tag matches on road to shows and in press conferences and in the little press box after matches when guys come back all sweaty and talk about the match they just had. Right. That's how they build storylines there. That's when their promos happen, um, which is you know almost diametrically opposite from how WWE does it, which is where you have the backstage promos, you have the in-ring promos, you have promos, promos, promos everywhere, and uh, then every once in a while you'll have a match. Right. But... Um, but AEW seems to be doing a bit of a melding of that where you've got YouTube that's building stories and then, you know, there, there's not a ton of in-ring promo. NXT is also... NXT of any of them have been experimenting with the nature of promos and building storylines the most where you see tons of different ways, whether it's uh, backstage, like people recording uh, training matches and someone will come in and, you know, we'll have like a little confrontation that's captured on someone's iPhone or security camera footage, or like a, a team will be chasing someone down. Like they've, they've found a bunch of interesting new ways to, cut, to get their promos in NXT. And I like that. I like that they're experimenting. It keeps it very fresh and interesting. So um, I don't think that, I think that if, we, if, if, if you watch a ton of wrestling, like look, actually look at um, uh, what NWA is doing right now with their, with their radical old school, like, I, I was going to say new way of doing wrestling, but it's really, really old way of doing wrestling. It's very early 80s way of doing a wrestling show where you've got the podium. It's a studio show. You go over, you cut a promo if you before a match if you need to, but you cut the promo in the one area, Yeah, right? And it's I, I love it. Uh, there's no entrance music or anything. Like I love their presentation. It's, it's just they are going completely 100% old school, and it's a lot of fun. But again, I think that we are conditioned because WWE is what all that we've watched for so long because it's been the only game and people have been imitating WWE and their presentation for so long that anytime someone breaks with that, we go, what's this? You know, so yeah, I, I, I think that it's, it's not to say that people are doing other things besides WWE and wondering if that's 
normal. Uh, yeah, it is normal. That happens. It's just it hasn't been as mainstream as WWE. Yeah. So we have been conditioned. I look at examples like uh, being the elite um, and the road to show. The, let me just say it this way: the way that the Bucks and um, AEW have been using YouTube. Now, if you look at the way WWE uses YouTube, they use it as an archive sort of platform. They use it to put up clips and to hype up certain things, but it's usually of things that have already happened or that happened outside of the show. The vlog style of the way that uh, AEW and the Bucks are using YouTube is a way to do things differently. It's a way to build storyline outside the context of the main show, but still have an right. effect and have ramifications on the cards and the drama and the, everything that happens on the show. It's not just an afterthought to the things that have already happened, similar to how the WWE sure. YouTube clips are. That's right. a very modern, innovative approach to take as opposed to what WWE does with it. But if you look at WWE's numbers on YouTube, they're absurd. Some of their their videos get yeah. tens of millions of views. Kane Velasquez is at 8 million right now. So d- Tyson Fury is at 4 million. So it's it's they do get obscene amounts of views, but they're it's you're right. Sometimes their quote-unquote story building stuff that they do backstage as an afterthought. Yeah. And sometimes they don't even they don't even incorporate it into their storylines afterwards because it's just so off the cuff. Whereas I like how both NWA and uh, being the elite really do try to meld those YouTube videos into their storylines and like it, it drives people to watch their YouTube because they might be missing essential information. It's the same way with New Japan. It's kind of tough to keep up on New Japan sometimes because you're like there's a lot of nuance if you don't watch all these road to shows if you don't try to catch all of their press conferences you miss some of the nuances that are going on and they're really nuanced stories and sometimes that, that's the that's the most wonderful parts about it um you know is that you can discover these little nuggets and it gives you a new perspective on what the storylines have what's happening and what it means yeah. uh so yeah it's the 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 upside of WWE's way of doing it is for the most part, it's right there. You can find it really easily, and the storylines are very cut and dry. Like they're right out in front of you. Uh, the downside is, is they just don't have good storylines. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so and that's all I got to say about that. All right, thank you, champ. Uh, you're going to get challenged here in about a month, aren't you? Yeah, it's coming. Enjoy up your series. reign, sir. And I'm going well, to be disappointed if I don't start defense. seeing some callouts and some promos. Uh, being done as we set up <laughs> for the Survivor Series BWO Pickums Challenge that's coming in about yeah. what, six weeks, I think we got. All right. Oh my! Yeah. I'm defending. I got to defend my 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 place too yeah. as a numero uno. Yep, yep, yep. All right. Thanks, champ. Uh, next up, Patrick Kennedy. Uh, if oh god, I'm scared of this question. If you were booking for WWE, how would you fix the Fiend and Seth storyline? Do you want me to go yeah, first? Yeah, go for it. Because I've, I've, I've got a really easy answer for this. I would stop it entirely. Yeah. I would never have started it in the first yeah. place. Hashtag uh, keep of it in course, your pants. That's, yeah, that, but uh, honestly, that's that's kind of the easy way out answer. Uh, just to say, I would just, you know, just, no, I wouldn't have it at all. Uh, but if, okay, where we are right now, if I were to fix it, I would... I would say that one way to fix it is to establish that the Fiend does not want the championship. Yeah. And that way you can have matches end in you know fluff finishes that 
you understand why the fiend doesn't need to win. You can have it established that the fiend could win at any time, could beat Seth. He doesn't want to. He's just there to torture and torment him. And so if you establish that very clearly, then that gives a pass on any time that the fiend doesn't just take out Seth. And if they have a match, it can just be about the fiend destroying Seth. And if you have a finish where the fiend gets DQ'd, or if you want to keep Seth looking strong and he chases the fiend off or escapes the fiend somehow, at least you know that the, one of the reasons that the fiend isn't winning is he doesn't want to. He doesn't care if he does or True. not. It's not his modus operandi. His modus operandi is to mess with Seth's head. So that would be the first thing that I would do is define more clearly uh, what the fiend's goals are here. Or at least let, that, let us know what they are not. And that would go a long way towards explaining why the fiend is also fixated on Seth as well. Beyond just like, oh, he's my new friend. Is no, let like why is he why is he obsessed with Seth? Give us a little bit more of those story beats so that we understand better when certain things happen. Um, like we said on the Hell in a Cell show, you could have had that finish. You could have had that exact finish if you had just told the story better. You know, if they had explained to us better what happened, why it happened, it, it, was, it was on paper a workable finish. But the way that it played out was very unsatisfying. There was some rumor that there was uh, a, an alternative, uh, and I don't want to say the outlet that reported this because it kind of discredits the whole thing. <laughs> I was going to say exactly that. Um, <laughs> there was some rumor and speculation that this was not the original finish that was supposed to happen. There was supposed to be a gimmick spot off the top of the cell. And I, I'm glad they didn't do that again. But at the same time, I'm, I'm, I, this wasn't that good either. And I see the corollary between no. the two. Uh, of, of but why the they, problem is... is yeah, and, and I know I know what you're saying. Like, I see the corollary as well, but have you thrown... With this one, this is a new thing that hasn't really happened except for Triple H kind of hitting Vince McMahon one, the one time with the sledgehammer, right? But this has never happened where someone tried to murder somebody else in, the, in Hell in a Cell in this way. Like, went for a headshot with a sledgehammer. Okay. Being thrown off the top of the cell has happened, and the match continued. So if you'd stopped the match with that, it would have really pissed people oh, yeah. off. So. Uh, I, I don't know. Look, I've been preaching keep it in your pants for a long time now. I, I think that he needs to go, If it, based on what's happened already, if we're starting from today going forward, well, what happened on SmackDown happened. And I, I marked out for it. The Fiend has me. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan. I'm also a big fan of Seth Rollins. I feel like he's not getting the big face of the company push that he should be getting. Uh, look at the first two draft picks were the two people that they put on the cover of WWE 2K20. Whether that was to sell video games or not, I don't know. But at the same time, it is it you're making it feel like the two people that are the ch your two big champs aren't the people that you're make, putting out there as the face. My point is, is that you're making Seth. It, it feels Seth is kind of bland right now. We're back to bland Seth again. When after he had gotten the championship back from Brock, it. He had this explosion. We were all on board with with Team Seth again. Um, I don't know. Okay, so here's what I would change. I would do different. I would have the Fiend go back to get, like you said, forgetting about a championship and can continue to never be interested in a, in a belt in a title, but have him go back to 
just random interference with everything. It's kind of like what I wanted Sanity to do, if I'm remembering right. I wanted them to... It's kind of like what the Shield did when they first showed up. They just randomly showed up and just kicked everybody's ass for no reason. And just have... The only motivation is chaos and destruction. And if, if they can somehow figure out how to harness that, then I... I feel like they're pushing this into a one-on-one situation of can Seth Rollins defeat the demon? Yeah. And it's just going to Remember remember Seth and the Demon Kang, Demon Kang. Remember yep. that? Ugh. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, no, I, I like like I said, just stop it. Just I feel like it. they might have gone too far already. That's my bad that's oh, my sad gut abs- hunch. I completely agree. And that's why I was saying on the show this whole drag him to hell in the middle of the ring finish to the Roman and Seth match, I, I thought it was garbage. Right. Thank you, Patrick, for the question. Unfortunately, I, I don't think we have a good answer for that one right now. Uh, next up, Billy. Guys, what is your favorite type of match? Not necessarily a gimmick match, but your favorite style. And what's a solid hmm. match example of that type for the listeners to watch later? Ooh. Huh. So not a gimmick match, because I love Royal Rumbles and ladder matches. As far as gimmick matches, not necessarily, not necessarily a gimmick match, but your favorite. So, so it not can, a gimmick it can match. Be a gimmick match. Type of match. Yeah. Okay. Because I mean, yeah, I love I love rumbles. Yeah. And when done correctly, yeah. when done incorrectly, they're they're god awful. Yeah. But uh, when done correctly, like like the first Aztec Warfare Lucha Underground, you know, there's a bunch of bunch of Royal Rumbles. If I just want to have like a a match on in the background, I'll put on a WWE Royal Rumble just because like every two minutes I've got someone new that I'm like, oh yeah, I remember them. That's awesome. You know. Um, Mine's going to be money in the bank but, ladder matches. Oh yeah, oh that's okay. that's, sure. that's again that's a gimmick. T- match. You know um, anything to do with implements of destruction. So whether it's you know TLC, it's you know TLC matches or ladder matches in general uh, for some you grand stake that's hanging from the from the rafters. See, I if if he's talking like type of matches, I like. I like matches that are the blow-offs to long-term feuds with great stories that involve two wrestlers that can wrestle their asses off. Um, whether or or just and I I, I love strong style. Like it, I love guys, two guys just getting there and beating the tar out of each other, like Ishii and Shibata in the 2013 G1 12-minute mm. match. Go check it out. Um, that's an awesome one. But the first one that popped into my head. Was was back in 2017 in New Japan. Uh, Hiromu Takahashi had beaten Kushida in a ridiculously short period of time, and just disgraced Kushida uh, for the junior heavyweight title. Just disgraced Kushida, and Kushida had to fight his way through the entire Super Junior tournament to get a title shot at Hiromu and win his honor back. And the two of them had already had a pretty long drawn out feud and Hiroma was just taking it to Kushida and, ma- and making him feel like crap and Kushida was was on a redemption arc and they met at Dominion 2017 in one of the greatest matches I think I've ever seen and they came out the gate and beat the crap out of each other for the first half of the match and the second half of the match was a technical masterpiece there was flying there was grappling there was more strong strikes that when you've got two guys who can not only sell that all the stakes are on the table, that like the, one of them is just trying to put the other one down and the other one is there for their career and their life and their honor, 
and they're there just to kick the crap out of each other. And the emotions are high. It's basically what I, to to break this down: a well-told story with two guys who can wrestle their asses off. The climax match to that, as far as a type of match, yeah. is my favorite thing. Um, Marty the Moth and Phoenix Ooh. in uh, in Lucha Underground, their blow-off match that was just a bloodbath, a bloodbath. That was an awesome match. Uh, when Tommy Dreamer finally got his hands on Raven. You know what I mean? You can, I can, you can go down the line on this. Um, when Mick Foley finally won the title off of Rock, like it's there's a there's a ton of stuff. So those matches, uh, that's that's my favorite type. Is I guess payoff matches would be would be how I said it. Yeah. I've got a, a you know I, I I was looking through really quickly while you were talking um, the kind of the history of the beginnings of the the Money in the Bank ladder matches, and if you've not seen like the first three. Like um, <laughs> Edge, the, the yeah. Money Bank ladder match with Edge at WrestleMania 21, um, the one that Daniel Bryan won in uh-huh. 2011. Um, but what was the other one? Uh, the CM Punk won at WrestleMania 24. Those when 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 Money in the Bank was first like getting going, those really put it on the map, and they're sure. they're mostly. Going through the one the that CM mo- Punk won was amazing. Yeah. That was a great one. They're, nowadays, here we are, what, eight to ten years later, they're mostly like expected. We know what to expect from them. Oh, they're big ladder matches. There's going to be high yeah. spots. People are going to get pushed over and fall into somebody. And we, we kind of have come to expect them. But this kind of stuff was like brand new. And But you know what, Nick? Actually, this year's, if it weren't for the Brock finish of this oh, year's yeah. Money in the Bank, oh, yeah. it was lights oh, out. It was amazing. It was unbelievable. And- Andrade and Finn just going baller. Ali looking great. Like it was a great match. Yeah. It was a great match, and the latter. When you talk money in the bank, very similar. You know, big prize hanging above the ring, right? North American Championship ladder match in NXT <sighs> that Adam Cole ended up winning. That was it. Was that was one of the best matches in NXT history? Yeah. So no, I'm right there. I, I love me ladder. So matches. anything to do with ladders and dudes jumping off of stuff and high spots and you know throw uh-huh. TLC matches in there too with you know especially yeah. especially some of the early Dudley and Hardy matches throw Edge and Christian in there as well um, in the early 2000s early to mid 2000s that was those are my absolute favorites um, anything yep. that's high energy if you look at halftime heat. Uh, from the Super Bowl earlier this year uh, in NXT. While that was mostly just a spot fest, it was one of the most energetic matches I've seen in recent memory for about 15 minutes, 20 minutes, however long they had. Yeah. Um, and it was it was just crazy talk. Uh, NXT bringing back war games last year. Uh, just <laughs> Yeah, you've been loving the war games good matches coming back. God, I like <laughs> chaos. I like <laughs> anybody. But he came out of nowhere. Just, but just right. Ricochet doing a double somersault splash off the top of the war games kate it's just just that kind of stuff is what really gets me going other than that everything else to me is kind of soap opera everything else to me is like i'm saying that i I like it i I, it's story if there's no story i have nothing to invest in unless there's some kind of stakes or some kind of story and that that's where i come down on it is that's what i really get into with with wrestling 
You know, it's interesting enough. I think I almost said the same thing as that, where I, I want to invest in the match. And I, if, it, if there's a payoff to a long-term story, like I'm more invested in the match. Yeah, so I, I think I like I think what you were saying about the rubber match being one of your t- types of matches. Like, if in, yeah, in a long-term matches. few, like one of the most devastating things that happened this year was Tommaso getting hurt and us not getting right. that. Us not getting that WrestleMania takeover absolute bullet point finish Final, to yeah. that 18 month hell four year journey if you include the DIY yes. stuff that those two guys had been on and they go over that in the special by the way spoiler alert um, but you know just how and it absolutely wrecked me that we weren't going to get to finish that mm-hmm. um, yeah. before we moved on to what has now become some of the greater matches this year between Johnny Gargano and Adam Cole so right Anyway, yeah, mine's mine's going to involve imp- implements of destruction or a really great story. So, yeah, I think we're more <laughs> similar than different. Thank you. Uh, who was that? It was Billy. Oh, Billy had another one. Other than the fake thing, what's your biggest pet peeve that non-fans do or say when they find out you like wrestling? There's a few that really grind my gears that I've heard. Um, hmm. I'll throw in there. F- I would love to. I would love to. I want to know what other ones he's heard that grind his gears. Yeah. Uh, I'll like no. I'm serious. Like what else? What else has he heard that's that's pissed him off? Yeah. Anyway, that'd, that'd uh, be go interesting. ahead. But um. I often, I, it's, it's weird. It's a weird psychosis. Um, I work in a very professional, like big fortune 500 company. We're doing tech vendor stuff all the time and I'm around certain people. But so here comes Nick in a giant beard and a man bun with a sport coat on, uh, talking, talking about his wrestling podcast. And there's this thing that, you know, it's, you get this kind of, they're judging you look. Um, but at the same time, when I show it to them and I show them our energy and all that kind of stuff, they're like, oh, yeah, this is really cool. So I don't know if it's, um, you know, what their parents told them about wrestling right. when they were kids or right. their impression of it or anything. But you can take just about anybody, and if they are willing to give it a good college try and sit down and, and watch an episode of something for an hour, I bet you they're going to cheer or get into something by the end of it. It's just yep. most people that are judgy about it haven't done that before because of that perception. Right. It, you're you're a hundred percent right. And it's actually what I was going to say is that I'm I, maybe I'm lucky, maybe I'm unique, but I've only ever really heard the fake thing, and even that is just kind of eye rolling to me because it's just such a cliche at this point. But I haven't really heard anything else about wrestling. No one's ever really kind of talked crap about it to me. That's that's irritated me because most of the time I my immediate reaction is okay you just don't know any better right so I don't I don't take personal offense to it or I don't feel like I'm being judged or or anything like that it's it's I my return is to say is to to talk to the person and say like well you know this is this um it's it's these days it's actually really easy to defend because kayfabe is dead and you know it's fake, right? Well, yeah, of course I know it's fake. But you know what else is fake? Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger killing people with a machine gun in the movies. Yeah. Game of Thrones. Yeah, Game of Thrones is fake. Like it's of course it's fake. It's all fake. But and and coming back with that and then discussing how it's kind of more like MMA meets Cirque du Soleil. I, I've actually found with almost everybody who has re- like if I say I like wrestling and they have reacted poorly to it, I find that within five minutes I'm able to through discussion with them, they end up saying, oh, well, you know, I, they either say I know nothing about it and I'm now curious, yeah. uh, or I find out that they just don't want to know anymore, which makes it not about me, that's about them. 
So there's very little that actually really grinds my gears about people's reactions to wrestling. You know, I was saying the other I, day I we had it I used to care. I don't anymore. That's really what it comes down to. That, that might be part of it too, right. I, it was funny because I was saying that for the first time in – I used to have Lucha Underground showing in the bar a lot because it was on during the day uh, or on earlier. And then now that AEW and NXT are on Wednesdays, I'm able to have that on in the bar. And it was actually put on in the bar the other day without my knowledge. And I went in and it was already on, which was cool. That was cool. But we had a bunch of people at the bar and there was maybe one or two people that were actually watching it and knew what was going on. And then, you know, dozens of other people who had no idea what it was uh, or who knew it was wrestling and just, you know, were like, wow, this wrestling's on. All right, cool. Um, and we, I, I heard the, you know, it's fake thing. I heard, uh, I heard, uh, I don't get like, I don't get why they're doing this. Or I had people like would see a promo and they'd laugh and be like, oh, this is so stupid or whatever. I saw the, all the reactions, all of the things. But I also had a lot of people who genu genuinely were like, wow, this is crazy. I would never watch this, but I'm impressed by this. The whole, I mean, the whole rainbow of, of reactions. Yeah. And that was really, for me, that's, that's what I expect. I, expect a, I don't expect everyone to watch it and be like, oh, this is really cool. This is the best thing ever. Because you're not going to have that reaction the first time. You take someone to a live show, you you know, they might get into it because it's really impressive, or they just they might be like, "Hey, it's cool, but it's not my thing." That's okay. It's all okay. None of it grinds my gears anymore. Yeah. I don't mind if someone's going to be into it. I'm happy to lead them down the path into love and pro wrestling. I'm happy to give them recommendations. I'm happy to to say you know check this out or maybe don't watch this. Maybe watch this. But if someone's just completely shut off to it or, or you know, anything like that, I don't care. So, That's on them. So this week, in all of my infinite free time, uh, I've <laughs> off to the side been, yeah. been catching up on the new season of Ballers, which has The Preach. Rock in it. Uh, and this right. season, it's like the fifth season or sixth season. Um, this week, this season, The Rock has gotten uh, pretty prophetic in some of the things that he's saying. And the last episode that aired, uh, he said something at the end that says, all you have is yourself and the fucks you decide to give. And I thought that was just, like, that's it. Like, wow, that's you, heavy rock. Whoa. Whoa. That's, yeah. Whoa, man. <laughs> Bro. But at the end of the day, that's really what it comes down to. You have right. to decide, do you really care what other people think? And no, to I that I say, gaze, gaze upon the field where I grow my fucks <laughs> and see that it is barren. Yes. There is nothing left. Yes. I have salted the earth. Thank you, Billy, for the question. I have none left to give. That was a good one. Uh, next up, Brad decided to crawl up on the pulpit and uh, give uh -oh. us a little preach here. Uh, which okay? Let's stick to questions, guys. Uh, just, I'll, <laughs> I'll read what he said here. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Let's All hear right. It. So let's he did ask it. a question at the beginning. Why is it that Vince has to look at wrestling as more of a comedy slash entertainment venture than purely an athletic event? It seems like he wants to invest more storylines just for the sake of his entertainment than the millions of fans that he takes money from. I like that point. I want to come back to that one. Uh, you would think okay. that he would see that with the advent of competition that he would need to start listening to the fans instead of thinking he knows what's best for us and he knows what we want. First off, use the talent you have instead of bringing in talent from other sports or take away from your stables. Use what you have and come up with better ways of using them. For the love of God, make the tag division actually mean something and stop giving the belts to glorified solo wrestlers you throw together to make a team. I, 
Can I have some of that soap from the box you're standing on? I, I've got to take a shower so, later. Let's go back to the beginning where he started. Why is it that Vince has to look at wrestling as more of a comedy entertainment venture than purely athletic event? Uh, why does he want to invest in other drawing entities from other promotions out there as opposed to using the stable of talent that he has? Because Vince has taken a company that was a regional small business and grown it into an international juggernaut on the back of doing just that. He has done that since day one. He has uh, started with Andre, treated it, really. International it's, megastar. It, but he also poached the biggest talents from the other uh, the other uh, territories. Yeah. Right? That's how he made his money. He would bring in talent from other territories and take their cachet and spend it. And why does he think he knows better than the fans? Because the whole idea of a wrestling promoter is I know what they want. I know how to book this. Whether I'm going to give them what they want, they just don't know they want it yet. Um, so I've got to lead them into it. Th that is the mentality. And there's a huge amount of arrogance and balls that goes into that. And that's kind of Vince's defining characteristics. He's absolutely myopic and single-minded and tunnel-visioned. But, but he's also insanely ambitious, creative, and driven. And the guy has the energy level and the battery capacity of a 21-year-old on cocaine. It's insane the amount of time and energy this guy has given to his company. And the reason why he makes it more of a comedy entertainment thing is because way back in the day, he decided that instead of going for an adult audience, he was going to go for your kids. And that's where you got Hulk Hogan, not the Hulk Hogan that rocked the world down in the South, uh, the big old heel. No, he made him into a big cartoon character who wanted you to say your prayers and eat your vitamins. He took Greg the Hammer Valentine and made him from an absolute murderer into a into a kind of a joke. Like, isn't he kind of isn't he kind of funny? Rowdy Roddy Piper, same thing. Uh, all of those wrestlers that he took were legit badasses in their own promotions. And when they came to WWE, they became comedy entertainment characters. They became cartoons for the most part. And the reason for that was is they were palatable to kids. And think about it. We're that generation. We're, you know, you and I, Nick, obviously and then there's, they, there's then lots of people listen to, catered lots to us, people listen to the show. He catered to us as teenagers with the Attitude Era and our angst and vitriol and all of that stuff and the sexual innuendo or straight up just content that would, be, that would appear Absolutely. on the show. And then we got into our 20s and we started seeing... You know, ruthless aggression and bra and panties yeah. matches and hot chicks and all this stuff. Let's, Just let's be clear. People weren't into the Attitude Era because Stone Cold was wrestling these incredible technical matches. No. They were into it because it was entertaining and it was funny to watch him spray Vince McMahon with beer from a beer truck yeah. and, and put, a, put a gun to his head and have it be a fake, you know, little, little bang flag come out of it. Like, he's made all his money on comedy and entertainment. And there's no one around him who's not a yes man who's not going to tell him he's who's. You can tell him he's wrong. He's not going to listen to you. You know, at this point, he's made his company into it. Like ever and and that's the thing, Nick, is that you mentioned the Attitude Era. He had to pivot so hard after the steroid trials, and the, the you know everything got kind of sucked out from underneath him in the early '90s. He had to go with smaller guys. Well, smaller guys aren't going to give you the kind of you know. They're not going to look like this the same way. You had to go for a little bit more of an entertainment uh, in a different way. And a lot of those younger guys, were ha they had more attitude. Literally more attitude. Shawn Michaels, right? That was his stock and trade was attitude. Uh, 
and and yeah, it's the whole company has been entertainment and comedy. Yep. And that's what he's made his money. And I, and so I that, feel like so the PG long, era long long. might be like him trying to reset the clock going back to when he did that initially. And you saw the rise of Daniel yeah. Bryan and these sort of superhero John Cena. characters. John Cena is a superhero. The, the, the kids that grew up in the 90s as teenagers, uh, and now their kids are watching it. And it's almost this full circle reset of the clock. And the next thing that comes along is 10 years from now, those kids are going to be teenagers. Do we get another coming of the Attitude Era where it's a little bit more risque? It's a little bit more of the things that we saw. I don't know. It's to be determined at this point. Not with the not with the not with a publicly traded company and with as much money oh, no. as he has. Yeah, you're right. Some no. big business. I I highly doubt that. But but that being said, you know you can have your main brands be PG and then maybe NXT goes TV uh, 14 or something. Sure. You know what I mean? Like there's you had now he's got a lot of options. It is notable that so, AEW is TV 14 for uh, language, sex, and violence. And we heard shit. Absolutely. We heard bitches, and we heard all kinds of stuff. So it, it's interesting to... to and they, have, they allow blood. Yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. So yeah, we'll, we'll see what, how that comes out. Um, the next thing he said... Yeah, note, note that when they showed this week, when they showed Brock after getting beat up by Cain Velasquez, they showed the blood. They didn't, they didn't gray it out, right? Yep. So maybe he is slightly pivoting. But that's, that's kind of where I'm going with this is... He's always been the special attraction guy. He's always brought in Mike Tyson or, as you said, Under the Giant or you know, the whole rock and wrestling connection. The WrestleMania 1 was built on the back of, of uh, having Liberace and, and uh, my, Mr. T and, uh, and Cindy Lauper. Mike Tyson. Yeah, there's- Mike Tyson and that is exactly what I said in the Attitude Era. Like yeah. Floyd Mayweather. Like he's, he does this. All that, this, is, this is nothing new. This is nothing yeah. new. This is Vince. This is WWE. He says, I, for one, along with plenty of others, would rather see Braun Strowman versus Brock Lesnar for the world title rather than Kane and Tyson Fury. Completely agree with you there. I think you've heard us say that many, many times, but draw. Why was Ronda Rousey in there? Draw. It's a name that people yeah. outside of the echo chamber of professional wrestling know exactly. and recognize. And if you're not growing, you're dying. It's a business exactly. Strategy. So yeah, that and then like I said, like Cain Velasquez, eight million views on YouTube already. Braun Strowman and Brock Lesnar are not getting those kinds no. of views. Thank you, Brad. Uh, thank you for the questions there, Chris. Next up, just hear me out. Oh boy, he started out a hear me out. Uh, we might have to do a bonus episode <laughs> with you, Chris. Is it possible that in a few months, hopefully sooner than later, the Scooby Doo actors guest host SmackDown? Then they investigate the plot holes and inconsistency in the storyline. At the end, they have Eric Bischoff tied up. Then they unmask him to find out that it was Vince Russo the whole time and that he's been running Raw too, And he'd have gotten away with it if it wasn't for those pesky kids. This, that sounds like a Vince Russo plot right yeah. there. That sounds like Vin, Vince Russo wrote that. No, no, in all, in all seriousness, no. Like, I, I, I get what he's saying. Yeah, yeah it's... I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I honestly think uh, Vince Russo would have been more entertaining if he'd been writing this, it would have made it would have been a shit show, um, but at least you know it might have had some more entertaining stuff. Yeah. And although it probably would have, we would have doubled down on that cuck angle. Oh God, I, I don't Bruce, think it's done. I think I think we're just getting started because they've got to wrestle at some point, right? You got to have Lashley and Rusev have a feud for the for, do the, you? for the. Can we just stop uh, it right we now? Can, we can, but they're not going to do that. You know better than that. Ugh. All right, thank you, Chris. Uh, last but certainly not least, Lionel. Uh, hey, guys, what would be the top three wrestlers on the microphone, in your opinion, of all time and the top three managers of all time? So a Mount Rushmore of Mike men. 
and managers. The top three. So Mount, or, Mount Rushmore sure. minus one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, off the top of my head, top of my head, best mic workers. I got the I got two. The third one's tough. The the two I'm going to say Rock and Flair. Yeah, easy. The Rock and Flair, but then the third one's tough. I mean, you've got. I mean, off the top of my head, uh, Jericho obviously is uh, Dusty Rhodes, Macho Man, Jake the Snake, CM Punk, Mick Foley, Stone Cold uh, was really good. It was really good. Uh, yeah, for me, mine's easy. It's 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 gorgeous, George. Flair, I mean, Flair, Rock, Stone Cold in that order. That's that's my three. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of really good managers. Um. Managers. Heyman, Brain, Heyman, Heyman, Brain, and Cornette. I, boom, boom, I boom. I want uh, Paul Bearer in there. Here's why I say Paul Bearer is not in there. Heyman, Heyman, he only Brain, ever managed Heyman Brain, Cornette. Two, uh, yeah, I can't, two or three I can't guys, argue with that. I can't argue two with that. Two or three guys. Two or three guys. The only people that, that he ever did, he always did one gimmick. Heyman, dozens of guys. Brain, dozens of guys. Cornette. A bunch of guys, but the the there are some in particular that he managed the shit out of, and he genuinely did in real life manage them, and he managed them to making a ton of money. Yeah. So I've got to go with those three. I don't even think that's a question. Yeah. I would love to throw Teddy Hart in there, but he's not on those three level yeah. at all. Yeah, I, I can't. As much as I have a soft spot for Paul Bear carrying around his urn, uh, I yeah. I, yeah, I can't. I, can't I agree. Argue love that. me some Paul Bear. He's he's an iconic part of the Undertaker's image. But he's as far as overall, he's not on those three guys, not on their level. Yeah, I, I, Mr. Fuji, I'd throw in there, but not on their <laughs> not level. On their level, yeah. Heyman Brain. What was the third one you said? Heyman Brain and Corn Cornette. Cornette's the one I'm struggling with a little bit. Um, oh come on, that guy. That guy made so much money being the manager. I agree, and, he, the, and he, the tennis racket was funny. But I, you know, I I'm not just talking about WWE. I'm talking about overall. Sure, sure. I don't know. I, maybe I'm just tainted by his more recent endeavors. You absolutely are. You have to look strictly at history. Yeah. Cornette is one of the greatest managers of all time. Yeah. Period. Hard stop. Yeah. Uh, you know, I give him all the credit in the world for being the wrestling historian he is. Um, Jesus, his brain. I, oh, yeah. I don't know that there's anyone else on the planet that has uh, the amount of wrestling details and not. He's an IM. He's the IMDb of wrestling. Literally. <laughs> If IMDb was was homophobic and an asshole, sure. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he would probably oh, agree corny. with you there. Oh, corny! I love you and I hate you at yeah, the same time. Yeah, it, it's tough. Well, guys, that's it. That is our Patreon. No, we got one. We have one more, what? don't we? Oh, that's right. Oh more. my God, I've completely forgot. Last minute. Why, last minute made it. Why in. didn't it show up on the page? Probably because I didn't refresh it. All right, last one. Uh, Eric Elledge. Good old Eric. You've been with us from, from the beginning, man. Thank you for all you yes, do. Yes, sir. Uh, is it, and also Raiders. Raiders. Raider Nation. Raiders. Raider Nation. Is it possible that there is a generational... Oh, God, this is good. This is a great way to close it out. Is it possible that there is a generational gap between AEW programming and older fans like myself who just don't get all the hype? This is a great way to yes. close this out. Yes, actually. I mean, look at the ratings. NXT is killing uh, AEW with the older fans. Like, NXT is definitely take, getting more of the older fans. AEW is getting more of the younger fans. Um, there is absolutely a generation gap between AEW and, and some of the more old school fans. I mean, look how much Cornette can't stand AEW, speaking of older fans. Um, I, I, think it, I think it makes total sense that 
AEW is doing a much younger skewing program. But I think that if you are an older fan, you're looking at AEW and saying, I don't get the hype, then think about this. It's smart of them to skew young. Yes. Because they definitely are skewing young, not only with their talent, but their presentation all around. Um, it's smart because that is the untapped audience. If you look at WWE programming across the board, it's skewing a lot older these days. And they need to get that young audience back. Yeah. They've somehow lost the young audience. We said on the other show, maybe it has to do with how the younger audience is consuming it. But even so, um, AEW is trying to get those lapsed fans, the untapped markets. And in that sense, I get that. I get why they're doing it. Um, but if, you're, if you are kind of older and more old school... I can see how AEW would be off-putting. How, how you just you don't quite get the presentation. It's not exactly what you want to see. Luckily, there's NXT. Luckily, there's New Japan. Luckily, there's NWA now. And you can you can have your cake and eat it too. Is there some corollary uh, we could draw to WCW audiences versus WWE audiences in the '90s? No, because they were that was a really straight crossover right there. Yeah, they were both getting very very similar audience. That's why they were fighting tooth and nail. They were fighting for the same damn audience. And you don't think AEW and NXT are going to be fighting for the same audience? I think they should be. I think if they're smart, they will. Hmm. Uh, but I but NXT definitely feels like a more mature program than AEW does. JBC said the fiend scared off the young audience. <laughs> uh, if actually, if if my history is any indication, the fiend would have made me watch that stuff like crack. Yeah. Me too. Oh, it brings man, out kid, all of my it. inner 12-year-old and stuff that I'm terrified of, like clowns and all, just all of that. It just plucks all those strings uh, endlessly. Yeah. Here, Ooh. Here's, here's, it's scary. I like yeah, it. Here's the thing I'll say. Um, I th And this is a little bit of a stretch, so bear with me. A, a yeah. lot of the superstars or the wrestlers or the performers or whatever word you want to use to describe them in AEW came up through Jericho aside, Hager aside, came up through the indies. How do you watch that stuff? A lot of it's been on YouTube. A lot of it's been on streaming services. A lot of it's been out there for people that aren't used to just watching cable television with their remote control. Right. I think there might be something there. I think there might be a way that while your parents were watching their sitcoms, little Billy over there was watching you matches on YouTube of you know, right. recaps of the Young Bucks at matches in New Japan or some maybe the Being the Elite series where they showed Marty Skrull and all of these other things that we're doing. Uh, you know, and just because there was some controversy there. How they discovered it is a mystery. I, I, I don't know if we'll ever know that. But look at the only way to watch New Japan <laughs> Pro Wrestling is, is online. Yeah. So... Well, that's largely because they kind of botched their American takeover within the last year. They were going to try and do a big push into America, and it didn't quite work out. That's a topic for another time. Yeah. But, uh, but the bottom line is I, I, I definitely do think that a lot of kids are being introduced to, to wrestling through their parents, but there's a bit of a gap. There is a gap right now between like late 20s and like mid-teens. There's a big hole right there that I don't think is watching a lot of wrestling. And that's just speculation. I don't have the numbers in front of me to back that up. Yeah. But based on what I'm seeing in terms of interactivity, both online and with us and with a lot of other online shows, um, it does seem to be like most of the wrestling audience is late 20s to 30s to 40s. Uh, and then 
the young young kids that are that the, their parents are taking to WWE events. Yeah. I feel like the NXT like, audience when I go to life. I feel like the NXT yeah. audience to counter counteract that is uh, also main roster audience. I don't know that they've found their own audience for NXT yet. I'd agree with you if I heard more NXT chants from the main roster when like NXT people would come out. I feel like we I don't do. hear as many NXT chants. I feel like we do. I'm not as not, even, not as many as I think you would if it was okay. as significant of a, of a crossover. Okay. But then again, we're talking about you know a, a vast difference in size. I also feel like the people that are going to live events exactly. might not be regular uh, watchers every single week of things. I think they might be taking Little Billy to go to a, re- a, a show. Or it might not be the same people that the people that are, are buying the live events aren't the people that are watching NXT or AEW. Yes, because look that. at look at how big like AEW is selling out huge state like they're they're getting fourteen thousand people in there having never had a show before. Yeah. Well, so that could be argued. There's a lot of people what, who actually there's a lot of people that, that want to go to shows. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. So. Well, guys, that's it. Patron mailbag episode number two is in the books. Thank you all for all of your great questions. Uh, This is something that we're looking forward to doing every single week, and we're going to keep tweaking things as we go through this new era transition. Thank you guys for coming along for the ride. That that marks four episodes of Busted Wide Open this week in the books. Oh, yeah. What a marathon. Now, that's not going to happen every single week. Most weeks will just be two, maybe three. Uh, actually, three, because we're going to have Tuesday show, three. Saturday show, and then the patron mailbag episode. But Absolutely. when we have a WWE pay-per-view on Sundays, we're also going to cover that on Tuesdays. Like this week, we had Hell in a Cell. Covered that for you Tuesday afternoon. But thank you for hanging out with us for patron mailbag number two. We'll be doing it again next Saturday. Be sure to be uh, have that on your schedule, and we'll be sending out some more events and stuff like that. Uh, but absolutely, and if you are, if you want to give your listener question for next Saturday, join us over on Patreon, yes. patreon.com forward slash BWO. Join up, support the show, and get your listener questions on this here show. Yeah, all it costs you it, is it, five dollars a month. It, it, oh my it, goodness, that's it, and you get access to show notes. You can ask your listener questions every single week, so four times a month, if not five, some months. But you can the all, price of buying me a fancy beer. Yeah, that's, that's, nice. that's an, in California. It's not even that much. So. <laughs> Uh, as always, guys, come hang out with us in the Busted Wide Open Discussion Group on Facebook. Uh, definitely come join the Discord channel. You won't want to miss that. You can find a link to it in the description below if you're watching here on YouTube and pinned to our social media profiles all across everywhere. If you're in the Busted Wide Open Discussion Group already, you can find a link to it at the very top of the group there. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast right here on YouTube, streaming live every Tuesday at 8 p.m., Eastern 5 Pacific and every Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern noon Pacific Uh, and as Ian said thank you to all of our patrons you guys made this show possible Uh, we're excited about this new series and breaking this out and giving it more dedicated time and we can't do it without you guys so thank you thank you very much for all your questions and your patronage every single month really appreciate it my name is Nick Howell you can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude and I am Surrey and Dangerous you can find me on Twitter at Surrey and Dangerous Would somebody stop the damn match? This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.